Welcome everybody to Rams Iconic, the show where I get to reunite with the greats of the past and visit with some of the greatest players ever to wear horns on the helmet. I'm your host, DeMarco Farr, former defensive tackle. Folks, I have seen it all. I'll be your tool guide, if you will. We can look back on the stellar careers and slowly pull it forward to current day topics. We're going to talk ball. Of course, it's a football show. Uh, there is no life without ball. I'm a lifer. I love it. I love being around it. Can't play it. So I'm going to talk about it. And on this show, I get to chop it up with some of the greats and you get to listen. So my next guest, who I believe, and I don't give a damn what people say, belongs in the group of greatest to ever play the game. 14 seasons in the National Football League in the 90s and the aughts. Played college football at the University of Florida. Was an All-American there. First round pick in 1995 of your St. Louis Rams. Went on to play for the Titans. Still hate him because of that. The Miami Dolphins and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 104 and a half quarterback sacks. That's 28 all time, 28th all time, 62 and a half for the Rams. Fourth most in team history. Uh, a couple of guys named Leonard Little, Kevin Green, and some dude named Aaron Donald. Only guys that have more in a Rams uniform. Two-time Pro Bowler, should have been way more. One-time All-Pro, should have been more. Uh, the man who literally had a bust of Superman in his locker and only I know of one guy that ever messed with it, just one. The man who could run full speed, literally, without moving his arms. The man who almost ripped down the backboard in the team recreation area because we laughed at him because of his handles on the basketball court. And the man who could give you a spot-on cover of You Spin Me Right Round by Dead or Alive, the one and only, number 93, <laughs> Kevin Carter. <laughs> What's up, man? <laughs> hey, you know what? I think some of that information, like, you know, shouldn't be volunteered so readily. Um, you know, my rendition of, you know, you spin me right round, my dead or alive, like, that's between us. Man. Like, that's like, that, that can only come out under certain situations. <laughs> I didn't say how or what I saw. I just said you can do a spot-on cover. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> what is up, man? How are you? Man, I'm doing great. Just um, just life after football is is, is is fortunately it's been good. It's you know the transition is never easy, and we we look to rediscover ourselves and whatever we can find, however we can, you know give ourselves relevance in our own lives and that of our families and um really lucky man i've got a 20 year old son who's a sophomore tight end at dartmouth um playing for buddy Tevens, ivy league football uh they had their schedule they had their season canceled this year which is a bummer uh, but um i'm up here in i'm up here in upstate new york um i'm working for cbs sports doing studio for college football um, every weekend, CBS Sports Network, and I love my love my job and uh, <laughs> love my life right now. So I'm, I'm really blessed and doing well. We're gonna get into all that. Uh, your son, I keep telling you every time I talk to you or, or text you when I see him, your son, he's a good-looking kid. Don't get me wrong. You and Shima, your wife, have done great. He is. He's a, he was a gorgeous baby turned into a, a handsome young man, but he is an absolute monster, Kevin. That kid is huge. How tall is he now? <laughs> he is 6'7". He's 255 pounds. Oh, my and God. he just and, turned 20. He just turned he, 20. So. What size shoe? Uh, 16. Oh, gee, Kevin. Good Lord. <laughs> uh, and he's playing tight end. Yeah, he's a tight end, man. I, I kept him off of the uh, – 
off the defensive line. <laughs> How dare you? Oh, Look, man, don't you remember what we went through? Don't you remember the, 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 former... the yeah, the hell he's we went through with Wesley player. Walls, with OJ Santiago, with Brent Jones, with all these tight ends that used to drive us nuts, and you raise one? How dare you? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? We've been doing things the hard way for all these years. And these tight ends, all they have to do is, is help block and they taunt us and then they go out and catch passes. And I, man, I was tormented by Brent Jones, like <laughs> my first couple of years in the league. You know, he was part right. of that 49ers group that just, that just made me want to finally have my day and laugh and beat them. Like, that was my goal. Like, that was our goal. Like, Super Bowl year 99, like, it was great that we won the division and did everything else. But if we didn't take care of those 49ers twice during the year and embarrass them when we did it, then the season wasn't complete. For that I feel reason. you. The whole group. I keep telling people that Ray Brown, who else was out there? Uh, Derek Dees, couldn't stand him. Yep. I mean, I love him. When I see him now, it's all love and respect. But back then, and you said, like, you wanted to beat the 49 Brent Jones made – he almost turned me into a serial killer. He drove me nuts. <laughs> You know, it, it wasn't even fair, you know, like, good Lord, in a room, just me and you, I would take your head off. But on the field, when you don't know if he's going out for a pass or blocking and they were good at it, he, he was absolutely dangerous. Yeah, man, uh, I totally feel you on that. I can't believe you have a tight end, Kevin. That's not fair. T tell him to take it easy on the down linemen. Do what you want with the safeties <laughs> and linebackers. Just with the guys with the hand in the ground, they're all good people. Just tell him to take it easy on those guys. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. and um, when you told me uh, he was a basketball player at, at, uh, at until his senior year, right? And then he decided to go out for mm -hmm. the football team and duck to water, right? That's the story? Duck to water. Came out his senior year the spring before um, the spring, right after basketball season ended, going into the fall. And he came out for spring football just to try it out. And next thing you know, duck to water. The rest is history. He got like 30 Division One offers, got offered by six of the eight Ivy League schools, UCLA, Michigan State, Syracuse. A bunch of people came after him, and he decided on Dartmouth. So, wow. Smart kid. Of... Well, I'm not shocked. Smart family, smart kid. Uh, and look, that, that position is like a lux in the NFL. Um, if you can do both, if you can block, and if you're an athlete, I mean, you can make millions, gajillions of dollars. So uh, this will be yeah. something to watch him. Um, but it – that career arc in football sounds awfully familiar. And I said that to you yesterday. You didn't play football in high school until your junior year? Correct. Uh, Correct. Before that, you were in the band playing saxophone. Mm -hmm. And I've never seen a picture of you with a saxophone in the band. I still want to see that. But from that point, <laughs> junior year, never played ball to All-American at Florida. You, you have got to tell me about that arc. How did you get from the band to I'm an All-American for Steve Spurrier at Florida? <laughs> Just a late bloomer. That's all. You know, I, I think some kids, you know, it's all depending on when we hit our peak, um, both, I guess, athletically and psychologically when we come into our own. Um, I was a little late. You know, I was the big kid who was a little chubby and had big feet and big hands and, you know, didn't get any taller for a while but really just struggled with coordination and, you know, trying to get my athleticism. And then one day when I woke up after a summer of 
thinking that I had mono because I slept the entire summer away. <laughs> I felt my, my body hurt in ways that I didn't think possible. And I, I, I thought something was seriously wrong with me. We went to our family, our general practitioner, and he said that nothing was wrong. I was just having growing pain. And wow. I'm like, okay. So for the entire summer, I was under the weather feeling like crap between my sophomore and junior year. And then when I started school, I was six inches taller. <laughs> and <laughs> the, rest, the rest is, as they say, history. I what? came out in the football field. And they said, do this, you'll get stronger. I did it. I got stronger. They said, do this, you'll get faster. And I did it and I got faster. And the rest is, like I said, as they say, history. Wait, so, Kevin, um, Kevin. So, I, so I'm your classmate. I'm a sophomore. I'm in the band with you. Uh, I don't see you mm-hmm. all summer. And the next time I see you, you're, you're a half a foot tall, taller than you were when yes. you left. I mean, yes. what, what, what height to what height? What are we talking about here? We're talking like, like six five feet to nine six, six? to like six three. <laughs> oh my god! Five nine, to, five, thought... nine to six three over oh. over one summer. They must have thought you were an imposter when you came back. It was it was weird. I I, I walked into a room. I remember walking in to get my physical because back then you know you had to do the county physicals with everybody. Your whole team went, and when I got there, you know it was. I thought it would kind of be a joke that I was coming out for football yet again because I went to a big public high school in the, in the, in the mighty football-playing state of Florida, and I didn't make the team my freshman year. You know, I didn't make my JV basketball or football team, and wow. I was distraught and just said, I said, well, screw it. I'll just be in the band and be the best I can be there, you know, and, and I enjoyed it. Um, but, you know, I had, I'd always had this love, this dream of playing football. And so when I finally came back out, and, you know, no one laughed at me anymore. I, I wasn't a joke. I wasn't the guy that, you know, why are you out here? Why don't you just stick to, you know, doing your band thing? It was like, uh, who the heck are you? And, uh, yeah, uh, come on out here. And why haven't you been out here before? It was it was weird. It was an you overnight know, transformation. Though. So that's the thing. I mean, did it just come naturally for you? Because I'm thinking we met for the first time in 1995, right? So mm-hmm. you were a junior in high school in what year? And I guess 80 or like 90, like 90. Like, okay. So within, so the guy I saw, and that's the thing that struck me when I first met you, because, you know, you've seen guys come in draft picks. Actually, you were the first, first rounder because I was in my second year, Uh, but you, I've seen Mm -hmm. other players before. And then to see you come in and be so polished, I was impressed it made me respect Florida because that's the way we work. You could do some of the same things I could do. I was always shocked right. in that first training camp together what what some other defensive linemen couldn't do. Like, how were you guys trained? Didn't you guys practice in college? But you were so polished day one, and then you've only been doing this for five years. I mean, it must have been duck to water, man. Like, wow, this is what I've been called to do. I think the good thing about starting late and and which is why you know you get to the NFL and you realize that it's most one of the most eclectic groups of people that you will ever find on the face of the planet. An occupation you you will never find fifty three more different individuals than you will in in a football locker room. Um, it's you know that's one of the things that all of us you know every player you, you talk to every coach is you know what do you miss? You miss the guys, and that eclectic mix 
you know, comes from so many different people and so many different schools, so many different situations. There are guys that, you know, played rugby overseas that become football players. There are guys that were lacrosse players that didn't discover football until later in life. And there's people like me that, you know, uh, didn't play until later on. But the good thing about that is I didn't have any bad habits. Mm-hmm. I, I I didn't know you know what 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 not to do. I only know I only knew what to do, and and I was really lucky because I got recruited out of high school, you know, by the likes of I visited you know Notre Dame. You know, Lou Holtz was there, and they had Chris Thorch and Bryant Young and Michael Stonebreaker and all these Oof. you know Todd Light and all these great players. And you know that these were the institutions that I was looking at. I, I visited Nebraska with Tom Osborne. I visited Florida. And, you know, there were a lot of great coaches and great, you know, situations for me to go and further my education and play football and ended up going to Florida where my position coach was a guy named Charlie Strong. Mm. And, and that's, you know, what people don't realize <laughs> is the power of coaching trees. And, and that's, that's why football people, scouts, coaches, and players alike, they want to know who'd you play for? You know, who taught yeah. you this? Who, how'd you learn this scheme? You know, and, you, you and I talked about it yesterday. If um, I was talking to a buddy of mine, actually, um, you'll appreciate this. You know, he played ball at Penn State, and um, he, he was a defensive back. You know, played um, played for the Carolina Panthers for a little while. Actually, ended up becoming a producer for ESPN when I was there. Hmm. And um, he and I would always talk, and he's like, "Man, if you're a young defensive lineman right now, how could you not want to go play for the Ohio State University and play for Larry Johnson?" And no like, doubt. Yeah. I mean, the man's got a streak, you know, of the Bosa brothers and Chase Young and all these defensive linemen that are coming out. I mean, he's, he's got to have like, you know, three or four number one picks like in a, in a row in, in the in the in the NFL draft for the last four or five years. And, and that's the thing. The power of coaching trees, the power of instruction, how your game is formed, how you see the game, how you process for me. I was a kid that, you know, from a natural ability standpoint, uh, you know, I was, you know, we, we joke about it, but sometimes some people are, are, are born to play football or they're, they're, they're really lucky and they're blessed and they're, they're fortunate that, you know, they come into something at the, the exact right time in their personal history. You know, that's, that was me. It was, it was the timing of everything couldn't have been better. Um, I had no bad habits. I had no wear and tear on my body. And, and on the eve of me making my greatest growth physically was also where I made, where I learned the game of football, where I learned it from, from the ground up. I learned it from playing inside linebacker in high school. And then I went to the defensive line. And when I got to Florida, the instruction from Charlie Strong, he was always reaching forward, getting me tapes of, you know, Robert Porsche, Reggie White, um, all these different defensive linemen that he would say, this is what you got to play like. This is, this is how you have to play. This is how you have to see the game. You got to play this fast. You got to use your hands. And, you know, was always seeking that instruction. And within four years at Florida, you know, three SEC titles, you know, playing for an organization that, you know, was such a competitive environment because there were so many great players around me pushing me, you know, the entire time. That's why I was what I was. I mean, there's power in how you are developed as a player. I mean, you know, that's why everyone's seeking to get every, 
you know, added training and or instructional advantage that they can get in, in, in this time because it's, it's all about that. A lot of people, you know, and you know this, you know, you go to combine or you stand up in training camp and everybody looks the same, whether they're from a big school or no-name state. Right. And it's like, in, you know, it, what separates you is your adherence, your craft, how much you look to get better, how, how, how much you are a student of the game. And, man, when I came to the Rams, like, I didn't know nothing. And, <laughs> but, but, but when I had, a, had a, a group of great guys in the room, I mean, you and Brad Otis, you know, were, were immediately, you know, kind of my, you know, new, you know, peers and, you know, slightly older big brothers who took me under their wing. But we had guys like Fred Stokes and Sean Gilbert. Yes, sir. And Robert Young. And I mean, forever young, heads, you know, <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Jones. And, you know, we had all those guys who had so much experience and, you know, and I, and I'll, and I'll give Deke Pollard, you know, my oh, first yeah. defensive line coach and the, and the NFL, I'll give him credit, man, that, that little old man knew his craft. He knew how to make people better. And you just had to humble yourself and be coached. And I think for me starting later in life and, and having, and having no bad habits, being very coachable, having a thirst for wanting to be the best and, and and when I got to the Rams, my my greatest fear, Demarco, was was being considered a bust. Hmm. You know, that, really, that was my greatest fear. I didn't want to walk in as the sixth pick overall, the first defensive player taken in the '95 draft, and not be anything less than a Pro Bowl caliber player. I thought if I didn't do that, if I couldn't find a way to be great, then I would be it, it, would, it would be a failed experiment. And, well, and so. That's I had this thirst, you know, to 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 want to get better, and you know that process of being coached and humbling yourself and deconstructing and reconstructing your game, you know, that happens over and over. And you know, when you see people like Aaron Donald Oof. play the game, <laughs> yeah, it, it just epitom it, it just epitomizes the the maximization of your talent and also your football IQ. You know, no I, doubt. I, I love to watch Aaron play because he's just processing like, like he reminds me, and and I'm and I'm gonna and I'm gonna blow some smoke at you. Like he reminds me of of you, how he comes off the ball, how quickly because you were always so much quicker in processing and seeing what the defense was was, was what the offense was trying to do to us, and your get off was crazy, and I thought well. He's just getting off like that because, you know, or maybe he's not as big or maybe he needs to be quick. And it wasn't that you processed quicker. You saw things. You there were certain formations where you knew what the play was going to be. And if you could get in that get in that crack in the B gap, if you could you know, establish that leverage, then it meant you won on a particular down. And I always admired that. I always wanted to play that fast. I no, to no, no, no. See, I had to do myself. it because I wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> built like Gattaca. <laughs> I didn't have a body like Thanos, so I had to play that way. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that's. Uh, I'm glad you said that. Uh, we have run out of things to say about Aaron Donald about how great he is, and I'm glad you said that because I think the guy is special. And but yeah. I'm I'm gonna use what you just said. He has no bad habits, um, and that that right. is you. When I saw you, that's a great way to describe you. You didn't have any bad habits. Uh, when the play came to you, you played it with proper leverage. When the play went away, you pursued it. 
uh, with, with proper speed uh, and great angles. Uh, you could rush two on one, one on one. You just no bad habits and uh, not, not bad body language. The thing I used to warn the other guys about, and I don't know if you know this, um, the other offensive players is don't take his demeanor for weakness. You know, because he's soft-spoken right. or the way he speaks. I mean, if you make him mad, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm being serious. If he, if you make him mad, you know, bad things are going to happen, and and not to me, <laughs> to you. Um, and I've seen it. So yeah, I mean, that's that's great stuff. And you, you, you won the SEC what 91, 93, and ninety four. Now mm-hmm. I think this is funny. I think you did you play Auburn when you were in school? I did. I think you played against Les Snead, the, the Rams general manager. I think you guys were in college around the same time because we're almost the same age. Yeah, I think you're right. That's that's crazy. <laughs> that That's nuts. He was probably um, yeah. on one of those teams, one of those Auburn teams in 93 or 94 that actually handed us our, our, our lone SEC loss while we still won the SEC championship that year. We had, we, we had a thorn in our side, and it was – and it was my junior year. It was Wayne Gandy and James Bostic. No way. And Frank Sanders and <laughs> that whole group that beat us at Jordan Hare. And we, we went on to, to still win the SEC title, but they were a thorn in our side. So, I, yeah, I need to look that up and see if Les was on that team and I, he punch said, him in the shoulder. For, he said he was on <laughs> an under, he was on an undefeated Auburn club that um, was on probation. So, I think yes. – was that the team? That was the team. What was the other thing I wanted to ask you? Uh, you played for Charlie Strong, dude. That's awesome. Wow. Yes. What were those meetings like? Um, you know, Charlie Strong, you know, the thing that um, I, I'll tell any young person yeah. that is looking for, is looking for a, um, an organization to join, whether it's, you know, college or pro. You, can't, you don't have control on the pros, but when you go to college, you can, you can choose – who you play for. You can choose the type of men that you surround yourself with. And this goes for parents as well. I mean, you have mm-hmm. to evaluate the group of men that your son or daughter is going to go and join on the next level because they will have a profound out, you know, impact on who they become as young men and women. But for me, it was Charlie Strong. And Charlie, Charlie was, you know, he's 60 now. So he's not that much older. You know, he's kind of like the cool uncle age, you know, right. older than me. And, and it's like, but he was, he was old enough to reprimand me and treat me like, you know, a kid, but he was also young enough as to where he could identify with what I was going through and knew what I was thinking and where I was at psychologically at the time. And for him, you know, he challenged me, he challenged me on a daily basis and, and said, look, he said, you know, you've been blessed with a lot of ability and you've got a lot of great players around you, but who are you going to be? How are you going to grind? It's like, you know, your work ethic can't compromise no matter what you're able to do physically, you know, whether you try really hard or you don't, you'll probably be an all American because, because of the competition in college, you know, if mm-hmm. you're just, if you're, if, if you're a better player or if you're blessed with some athletic gifts, you can get by with half ass in it, you know, in, in college, you know, but when you get to the league, I'm, I'm telling you, you won't be great unless, you, um, unless you grind, unless you work. And, and he was always that person, you know, telling me that whatever I was doing was not good enough. So the funny thing is, you know, people on the outside saw me, you know, as one way they're like, Oh man, you know, he's, you know, big dude. And wow. You know, he can do a lot of things or whatever. But in my mind, I was forever trying to scratch and claw 
at being better, you know, and, 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 and it wasn't and that work ethic and that adherence, you know, th- there are people along the way in our j- personal journey that make us realize who we are and what we can do that give us that personal power. And they, they help us to unlock it in ourselves as we grow. And, and Charlie Strong was that guy, man, you know, early in my life, wow. right out of high school, he got a hold of me and, and I, and I liked what he was preaching and, you know, and, and he believed in me, you know, coach Spurrier believed in me, um, coach for yeah, so that man, that man told me when he, the first conversation I had with him after, you know, he told us in three years, we'll be world champs and everybody laughed. Right. So the <laughs> first conversation, the first one-on-one meeting I had with him is he says, I need more out of you. Mm. I need more out of you. You're not your best. You know, wow. he says, I have a friend named Phil Toll, who's a head shrinker and performance enhancement coach and psychologist that you need to talk to because you're not, you're not good enough. I need more out of you. And I'm like, I'm looking at this man who I admire and don't want to let down. And we had killed it the two years, the two seasons before we had crushed it. We were killing him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, but no, and and that, and that was, you know, having people like that along the way. And it's always that story. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter how we see ourselves. It, it, you know, it, will, it, it matters how we see ourselves, but it matters, you know, how much we're willing to sacrifice and work and, and to create memories. And I, you know, I remember the words of, you know, Frank Gans, you know, God rest his soul, you know, um, elite warriors on the threshold of greatness, you know, yes, sir. who are you, you know, what are you going to do? You know, never let the other man down, you know, that kind of thing, that creed, that adherence to greatness. And, you know, we, we really spoke, acted and grinded our way into the reality that we wanted. We, we, we were co-creators of that, that reality of changing the narrative of the, the joke, you know, Rams, same old sorry ass Rams and, oh, you know, becoming world champions. We, we were part of that transformation. And, and, I, and I don't think that people realize how hard it is to transform. You know, we see it all the time. We see teams go from, you know, from chicken crap to chicken salad. We, we, right. we see this all the time, you know, and, but we don't, you know, we don't pay attention to the process of how it happens. There's a lot of attrition along the way, but that process, man, of, of seeking greatness and then manufacturing it, you know, I was lucky and blessed enough to be part of that when we got to the Rams. Cause that's no doubt what we did. I, I would take our team over just about anybody. I would match up and feel comfortable if we're playing the 85 bears. I think the 85 bears are in for one that day with our, with our team. But as far as what we overcame, I don't think anybody has come from where we came from when we were the losingest team in the nineties to three right. years after Vermeil, And he promised us, and I'm, maybe right. we should write this in the book or when Kurt has a movie. I hope this is a scene in it. He promised <laughs> yeah. us in three years we would be world champion. So when he is yeah. – when everybody says it to me, they always say, DeMarco, when he is pointing at every member of the football team and saying, you are a world champion, that is because he promised us we would be. And there we yeah. are with ticker tape in our hair. Uh, just, yeah. just, just special. 104 and a half sacks. Like you said, you mm-hmm. you were challenged along the way. We went through Deke Pollard. I'm glad we had Deke Pollard in our life because that gave way to Carl Harrison, our D-line coach yes. for the Super Bowl years. He was Big perfect Daddy. for where we were. Big Daddy, absolutely. Yes. So you finished 104 and a half sacks. Uh, you went through Tennessee, I forgive you, Miami for two years, <laughs> then Tampa Bay at the end. It makes me laugh yeah. when I see Kevin Carter defensive tackle because now you see what I went through. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> for years. Right. Uh, 104 and a half sacks when you finally said, I'm done. Um, a person like you, I don't think I've ever asked. Uh, satisfied? Happy? I mean, when you see that number, there's only 27 guys that have more sacks than you in the NFL. I mean, Hall of Fame, it is what it is. I mean, I don't. let's not get into that, but just you right. on a personal level with what you've done satisfied with your career. Yes. Um, and, and that's why I was able to walk away after 14 years with no missed games in my career and walk away still with the ability to play, able to walk away after having meetings with Mike Fox um, and Bill Belichick in their office and them offering me, you know, three to $4 million to still play. Hmm. At that point in my season, that that point in my life, in my career, that's why I was able to walk away because I was, in a in a sense, satisfied. Never, never completely satisfied with the effort. You always look back and, and see things that you could have done differently, but I, I had no more left to prove. I had hmm. gone out and I had <clears throat> seemingly taken my respect you know, in every arena, every locker room that I walked into. And I, I had a hunger and a fire that, you know, when people looked at me the wrong way, when I walked into that, to that, that, to, into that new locker room and you had the resentment, you know, from other players and the offensive line guys are, you know, giving you that one-eyed look like, you know, <laughs> I know he's got a ring, but, you know, what the, hell, what the hell is he making all this money for? And you know, uh -huh. we need him to be better. And, you know, and my response is, well, Put your hand in the ground, buckle your chin strap, and let me show you why I make more money. And get you. your ass you know, forklifted. <laughs> yeah, there, is, there, there is something, you know, the reason I'm here is because I've been a part of something special. I, right. I know what it's like to build. I, I, I am glue for, for, your, for your team if you allow me to be that for you. You know what I'm wow. saying? I'm, I'm, I was a paid mercenary at that point and, and you know, went out and did my job. But, <clears throat> but yeah, I, you earned I, that, I certain, man. Yeah, I had a you certain amount that, of satisfaction right. at at that period in my life from just, you know, like I said, always being challenged, never wanting to be a bust, wanting to live up to what I've been given and blessed with, and wanting to make every situation in the locker room better than I found it. And, um, Look, and I felt like I'd done that. You were the best I ever played with. Um, I have to move you over to that group because the best I've ever seen. You know, with all due respect to number 93, I think 99 – Watching him down in the down yeah. out, that's something weird. So best I ever played he's with. He's a different breed. <laughs> he's a different, he's, he's special, man. And uh, the other thing, and I'm glad you said that, and let me give you props for that because I don't think we talk about this enough. Kevin Carter, 224 games played, 219 started. You have never missed a game. You never missed a game in your career. It, it, forget the, the other stuff. That alone is Hall of Fame worthy right there. <laughs> that is amazing. And playing at a high level too, man. Um, special. KC, man, uh, never enough time, brother. Um, we need to do this again, either on the pod or off the pod or just hang out. Hang out. Like you said, we're, we're brothers for life and we could take breaks for 10 years. And when we do reconnect, it's like we never left. Uh, so you're one of Amen. my best. Love you to death. Love your family. Uh, miss you guys. Can't wait to see you. Miss you, brother. I appreciate you, man. That's going to do it for another episode of Rams Iconic. Thanks to all our fans for tuning in. And wherever you are listening, 
please do us a favor, hit that subscribe button and leave us a review and let us know which Rams icon you would like to hear from next. Hey, look, before you know it, the 2021 season will be here and we cannot wait for you to step inside the Rams house with us. There is still time to be among the first to experience SoFi Stadium. To join us and purchase tickets, visit therams.com slash 2021. That's therams.com slash 2021. Big thanks to KC, Kevin Carter, for joining us today. Have a great one, and we'll see you next time on Rams Iconic.